0: Father, thank you for our time uh, for Sunday school in Deuteronomy. We're grateful, Lord, for the Word of God. and We pray uh, that you press upon our hearts about your character and the nature of sin uh, and the wonderful privilege it is to obey you. We pray it in Christ's name, amen. Okay, let's open up to Deuteronomy. And actually last week we, we stopped short of finishing six because we were looking at all the, the similar um, points that are constantly driven home living long in the land, having fruitful offspring, never wanting or needing for anything. It'll go well with you. Uh, There'll be great multiplication amongst your people if they would obey the commands of Yahweh. Now let's hit this. I know that you're probably sick of me saying this, but I'm going to go ahead and go over it again. There are two types of covenants in the Scriptures. There are unconditional covenants and there are conditional covenants. Uh, the unconditional covenants would be, in particular, the Abrahamic covenant. It is the promise that God made to Abram about his descendants with land, seed, and blessing. When you deal with the idea of um, the Palestinian covenant, the Davidic covenant, which the Palestinian covenant we'll get into in De- Deuteronomy, the Davidic covenant, which is 2 Samuel 7, and the New Covenant, which is dealing with Jeremiah 31-33, th- through 33, I think it is, when you deal with those, those three cover the subsets of the Abrahamic covenant. So land seed blessing, well, guess what? Not only are they included in the Abrahamic covenant is unconditional, but there are three in particular blessings that are also, or covenants that are also unconditional in nature for each one of those situations. Does that make sense? So you have one large one, you got the three promises, and each one has its own separate covenant. The Mosaic covenant, this idea of obeying statutes and commandments and upholding and all that stuff like that is uh is completely different being conditional in nature. Some people say that it's the if-then covenant. If you will obey, if you will respond to these commands, then I will bless you, then I will help you, then I will keep you, then I will sustain you, those types of things. But if one party in the covenant breaks it, the other party is no longer obligated to keep it. Now, we often treat marriage like that, right? If he's not willing to... Love me as Christ loved the church and I'm not willing to submit to Him. Uh, that's not the truth. Uh, that's not actually what that says at all uh, about the being conditional in nature. But, bring that back to this. If you notice, we left off one verse at the end of 6, and that's verse 25. About upkeeping these ordinances and, and commands all this stuff. Notice it says, It will be righteousness for us If we are careful to observe all this commandment before Yahweh our Elohim, just as He commands us. Now, real quick. Obviously, the idea of works is stapled to this, yes? What do you think Moses means when he tells the people it will be righteousness for us if we uphold these things? What does that mean? You somehow earning righteousness? Is that what it's talking about? No. Crowns? Well... Not particularly because we're talking in the primary application of Israel. Israel's great inheritance is the land, correct? See, this is why the land is such a big deal. When it's all said and done, does Israel inherit the land? Absolutely, they have to. It's been promised. And this is why we have such a big deal about a remnant that will inherit this land. That's not a problem. All of the, and here's here's a big reason why we need to keep in mind the distinctions between Israel as a nation and the church as a transnational community of believers in Christ is because all of the blessings that have been promised to Israel are earthly in nature. All of Hello? There we go. All of the blessings that have been promised to the church are heavenly in nature. That's important for us to understand. That is one of the greatest distinctions that runs throughout the scriptures of why we should not consider the church the new Israel or something like that. Church, heavenly blessings, Israel, earthly blessings. It's important to understand. So no, not necessarily rewards. Now remember, when we're going through scripture, and if you're in hermeneutics, we'll deal with this at the beginning of next year, we talk about primary application and secondary application. Because we are not Israel, because Moses isn't directly addressing something to us as a people, and therefore, we can't take the primary application of this. However, we can ask ourselves what principles transfer to us that we need to know about the character and workings of God, who He is and what He's done, and also the nature of sin and His response to it, as well as blessings that He would give. Those are principles that are going to be transferable to you and I. Those are unchangeable norms throughout the entire passage. So what do you think when it says it will be righteousness for us, if we are careful to observe all the commandments before the Lord our God, just as He commanded us. We think, Leland. Okay, it might be the nature of the heart desiring to obey God. Tabitha, what do you think? You need your vines. <laughs> wow, that's a good answer. What else do we think? Okay. Okay, there are temporal blessings that come from righteousness. Now, why is that important with Israel? Why, why does that matter? Is it just for their own selves? or Have you ever noticed that any time that God is dishing out blessings on people, it's never really about stopping with them, is it? It's always about pouring over onto other people. So do this. Put your finger here. Turn back a couple of chapters to verse or chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. What is Israel's purpose? Why are they considered chosen? Why are they the choice people of God? What purpose are they for? Chapter 4, look at verse 6. Oh, I'm in the wrong... Here we go. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding. Here it is, don't forget this. In the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely... This great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it? Notice, they all have gods, but this God's different in some way. This God is so near to them. Look what it says there. Excuse me, I lost my place. So near to them as Yahweh their Elohim, whenever we call on Him. Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as? Everybody see it? statutes and judgments as righteous as the whole law which I'm setting before you today. In other words, righteousness, when practiced, can be something that is observed and elicit a response from pagan, unbelieving, multiply God-entrenched blind people. Does everybody see that? Sometimes we sometimes we do it today like this. You know, uh, People don't care about what you know until they know that you care. We hear things like that. We hear the whole idea of um, preach the gospel through your works. You know, the, the good deeds that you do and that kind of thing. I, 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 th- I think that's a bunch of garbage, okay? Because people only get saved one way and one way only, and that's by hearing the gospel. Faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of Christ. They've got to hear it. It can't just be works alone type thing. However, there is something about how people handle life situations because they have a hope that is greater than this life that is going to do something to draw people to the hope that we have. And there lies the open doors of evangelism. The question we have to ask is with the God that we know, the forgiveness that we've been given, the blessings that have been overpoured abundantly on us. I mean, we have, think about uh, Ephesians 1.3. We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are already in the heavenlies and you are already lacking nothing spiritually. Does anybody feel spiritually lacking? Anybody? Admit it. Mike alone. Great. Mike again. All the mics feel spiritually drained. But here's the thing are you lacking anything spiritually? No. See, that's what's interesting. We often believe certain things about ourselves, and we often, here's the danger for for you F-train folks, uh, we often feel, if you don't know what that is, you should have came to hermeneutics. We often feel like we don't have spiritual adequacy in a lot of situations. We have complete spiritual blessings because of what christ has done that's one of the benefits and blessings of being in christ it's not because we had to conjure anything we had to pray harder we had to commit ourselves more to him or anything like that it's just a free overflowing blessing that comes right along the coattails of eternal life being clothed in righteousness and complete forgiveness of sin see it's nothing that we've done it's all god just lavishing 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 well it's this idea here as well by understanding the position that we have in Christ, by the Israelites understanding the acceptance that they have already in the relationship with God, the keeping of the Ten Commandments, the keeping of this covenant, does nothing but further amplify His goodness to people who desperately need it because everything they're settling for is much less. Now let me ask this question. And if this offends anybody, I don't mean to. And if this was you, I apologize. I could get in a lot of trouble here. Did anybody ever go to high school with the stupid girl? Anybody know her? Roxanne did. She's, you are the stupid girl? <laughs> See, I didn't want to offend anybody. But I mean, the girl whose identity was always wrapped up in who she was with at the time. I was talking with somebody the other day. And they said, you know, I don't know what to do about you know, this person. I got this relationship with them. I mean, but here's what I'm seeing in their life. When they were with this guy, they were all about this. But then when they broke up and they were with this guy, they were all about this. And then when they broke up, they were all about this. I said, it sounds like Runaway Bride to me. It sounds like you got a Julia Roberts on your hands. She doesn't know what kind of eggs she likes. That's the problem. You ladies are surprised I know that, right? I'm a lot more suave than what you think. So, Uh, but anyway no for real but sometimes when we're around those people they don't know who they are and because they don't know who they are you can't entrust anything to them and you can't expect much out of them except a constant pathetic kind of followership now that's a sad situation but it's true to life there's a lot of christians who live in a sad pathetic followership kind of idea when jesus has done everything Everything for us above and beyond just saving us. Well, it's the same idea. How much more could God have done with Israel in order to give them the tools for success? Was everything provided? Absolutely. All they had to do was utilize what they'd already been freely given. What would happen when that happens? When we take God at His word, God does God things. We have got to deal with sin in our lives. Just because we're Christians, saved, accepted, have eternal life, the forgiveness of sins and all that, doesn't mean that sin doesn't still plague us in some way. And it's no different with these people. God is trying to teach them what it is to have a deep, intimate friendship with him. And by doing so, his name would be holy, set apart amongst all the nations, and the nations would actually stop Sacrificing weird animals and having weird sex and and and, and uh, killing their kids to all these false deities, and they would turn and they would go, wait a second, they're only marrying one person, that's weird. Wait a second, they have all their kids, that's weird. Well, wait a second, they they don't they don't need to get all hung up and doing all this to try to appease a god who we're always trying to gain some sort of acceptance or blessing from. Instead, He's just doing it with them. And they were supposed to be set apart from everything that was evil around them. It's no different from us, guys. It's no different from us by embracing all that He's given us and simply living in light of that reality, that fact, that truth. Next thing saying, you know, Christ is living for us and people want to know what that's about. Now, I promise you this, and this is one of the One of the hardest things we have in our culture. It is indispensable, though. Apart from humility, it won't happen. These people had to humble themselves to the point of saying, Yahweh knows best. And my job isn't to sit down and figure out everything before I decide to lean into Him. My job is to trust what He said because He's God. That's it. Walking by faith. Same idea. So chapter 7, verse 1. When Yahweh your Elohim brings you into the land. Now notice that. It's a guarantee. Where you are entering to possess it. And remember, the idea of possession is also what? Inheriting. To possess it. And he clears away many nations before you. Now watch. Who's fighting for Israel? God's the fighter. God is the warrior. That's important to understand. They may be taking up arms. But God is securing the victory in this situation. He is making it possible. He is the one who is going to decide whether or not there was defeat. Now, think, pause for just one second. Think about what you know if you fast forward. Moses dies. Joshua steps up into command. He leads them into the land. Remember, and they go around Jericho seven times. They blow the trumpet. Walls fall down, right? The most unconventional, you know, Pat never drew that up kind of thing. And they come in and they seize the Jericho and it's all good and everything. And then they go to I. Everybody remember that? Ai. And what happens there? What's that? They got spanked. I'm sure that's in the Hebrew somewhere, Steve. Awesome. They got spanked. And why? Why did they not get victory in that situation? Well, they weren't supposed to go? No. What? They didn't ask God? No. They stole stuff. Everybody remember Achan. A-C-H-A-N. He stole some idols. Now pause for just a second. Right? Even Joshua was like, hold on, homie. What are you doing? Right? He stole idols. What about the God that delivered us? What about we just came out of the wilderness and we never needed to change our sandals? He sustained us. We had quail. We had manna. We had water. What happened? Well, this is just going to help me get by well, this is going to take care of what God can't and what did he do? remember they were in his tent, right? everybody was they're sin in the camp, they're sin in the camp. that's the idea because he had sin that he did not fess up to in the camp they couldn't have victory. Guys, it's no different with you and I. This is why first John nine was given. the Holy Spirit had John write that so that we could constantly come to the Lord freely and every hindrance be laid off. Well, it's no different with this idea. God being the warrior that's going to fight, there can't be sin in the camp. There can't be. Now notice the people that they're going up against. The Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Seven nations greater and stronger than you. Now here's an interesting thing that takes place. Put your finger here and turn back to genesis 15 genesis 15 is the instance where god is going to solidify and actually it's the moment in time god made the promise before him this is the moment in time where he solidifies this covenant with abraham genesis 15 and if you remember he had abraham take animals of different kinds cut them in two lay them on their sides and created a walkway in between and then he put abraham to sleep everybody remember that And Abraham suffered a nightmare, and it was about the people being in bondage in Egypt for so many years. And then we're told that a flaming pot passed through the pieces. A smoking oven and a flaming torch passed through the pieces. And look at chapter 15, verse 18. On that day, Yahweh made a covenant with Abram, a contract, saying, to your descendants I have given this what? Very important. And just in case you're not understanding what land I'm talking about, Abram, here it is. From the river of Egypt, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. In other words, from the Nile to the Euphrates River, and the Euphrates River runs into the Persian Gulf. Some of you familiar with that. It says here, verse 19, The Kenite, the Kenizzite, the Cadmonite, the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Rephaim, and the Amorite, and the Canaanite, and the Girgashite, and the Jebusite. Any of those names sound familiar? Sound drastically familiar, don't they? In fact, here's what's interesting about this. Actually, when they crossed the land, we are told seven nations. So a lot of times, numbers are used in order to communicate something in particular in Scripture. Seven is the number of, does anybody know? What's the number of God? Yeah, seven, seven, seven. That's why I'm a big Striper fan. What do you think? What is it? It means perfect. It means perfection. It, 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 is, it is perfect in the entities that uphold it, which in this case, we would say it's perfectly pagan. That would be the idea, because all of these nations here worship something other than Yahweh is the idea. So notice when it talks about seven nations greater and stronger than you, uh, sorry, chapter 7, verse 1 that we're dealing with, it's very interesting to see why they designate that. We find the similarities in Genesis 15, and then do me a favor, put your finger here again in Deuteronomy 7, and turn over to Ezra 9. Look at that. Oh, where's Ezra at? It's right after Nehemiah. That doesn't help me, preacher. Right before Esther. Is it Ezra, Nehemiah? Yeah, okay. Sorry, Ezra, Nehemiah. See, I didn't even know. And I'm going to ask you if you got your bulletin or something like that, put it here in Ezra 9 because I want to show you some things that take place. Ezra chapter 9, verse 1. And real quick, if your Bible has uh, those interesting little headings that the translators have put in there, What does it say right above chapter 9, verse 1? Israel's transgression, mixed marriages, Uh uh-oh, with pagans. Does your say with pagans? What translation do you have? I love the word pagan. I know it sounds terrible, but it just sums up so much. in, You know, six little letters. Okay, the Holman Christian, the HCSB, the hardcore Southern Baptist version. That's great. All right, that's what it is. So <laughs> that's good. That's a, that's a good heading to put there. Chapter nine verse one, watch this. Now when these things had been completed, the princes approached me saying, "The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the lands." according to their abominations. Now real quick, the word abominations in Scripture means horrible or horrific. It is something that is detestable and and, and it, it makes God want to throw up is the idea that we should get. Every time we see that God is insanely nauseated by such actions or, or, or uh, thoughts is the idea behind it. It's horrible, it's horrific. Uh, and notice, they haven't separated themselves from the land's Those of the, now watch the sequence guys, Canaanites, the Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, the Egyptians, which we'll give you that one since they're on the other side of the Nile, right? And the Amorites. What does this tell you about what took place between Moses' admonition to them about the dangers of the people of the land and you're looking on the other side in Ezra's time about who's existing? Do we know? what they mingled they didn't do what god told them what they didn't heed the warnings you we sometimes i'm sure you're sitting here going you know what jeremy we've been in deuteronomy for quite a while and we're kind of hearing some of the same things over and over again how many times you think israel heard it more than us and did they get it no no and Israel's life is meant to stand as a testimony to warn us of the mistakes that are made in mingling with people who have nothing to do with God. They are the mission field. And we have been so accepting of all this mess in the church. Our churches are not any better for the seeker friendly movement. The seeker friendly movement has paralyzed the spirit of God in reaching people. It has diminished sound theology you go to some churches that are seeker-friendly and you bring up the word atonement and they'd say, "bush you. Because they think you've sneezed. They don't even know what it is. What is the gospel? Well, we're all God's children. No, we're not! We're not! And we diminish all that stuff. How does that happen? Because sometimes, somehow, people have thought that belief in one almighty, amazing God of whom we are all answerable to and culpable for our own actions, of which we need to take personal responsibility in our sin, is somehow mingling with everything goes, everything's permissible. It's not. You cannot mingle those things together. That's what's known as syncretism. If you want the $5 Scrabble word for it, it's syncretism. It is watering down biblical truth because you're trying to add pagan ideology to it. That's what it is. So notice right here, a very definite response to the fact of they didn't listen to Moses at all, and now we got a problem with mixed marriages because everybody's being led astray doing what is right in their own eyes, whatever they feel. Now, keep your, your handout or whatever here in Ezra 9. Go back to Deuteronomy 7. Notice, they are seven nations greater and stronger than you, verse 2. And when Yahweh your Elohim delivers them before you, so he's going to set it up so that these people, so the Israelites are successful in coming against them. And you defeat them, then you shall utterly destroy them. Haram. You got to get that sound in there. It's the season, right? Haram. The guttural. Anybody taking Pastor Steve's class? Anybody worked on gutturals? Yes, let me hear some of them. Connie, let me hear your guttural. OK. There you go. Haram. Haram, sounds kind of Kind of like that. Haram is the idea. What does that mean? It means to put under a band, or it means not a band, a band, B-A-N. They are banned is the idea. It's also the idea of devoting to destruction. In other words, because these people have sinned so, they are to be brought in a situation as utterly a sacrifice unto the Lord because of their great, heinous, horrific abominations. That's the idea. Now, this is difficult because we're talking about not just a nation of people, but nations of people, an entire land filled with people. New York and California, we can understand, right? Let's get Chicago in there. Madison, we got to get those people. But we're talking like Connecticut and Rhode Island too. Oh yeah, and us. You see what I'm saying? We're talking about exceedingly sinful beyond redemption. And so Israel is going to act as their disciplinary factor on behalf of Yahweh and judging them. Now understand, we don't like that. We have problems with that. It's difficult. But notice what it says. You shall make no covenant with them and show no favor to them. Let's stop right there real quick. You still got your hand out in Ezra? Yes? Okay, let me show you something real quick. Everybody turn over. Keep, Keep the Ezra thing where it's at. Don't mess with it now. Turn over to Leviticus 18 real quick. I'm sorry. I know I'm cross-referencing a lot with you. But guys, this Deuteronomy is much deeper than maybe sometimes we've thought. It's a pretty deep book. I actually have on waiters now. You don't see them. That's a joke. Leviticus 18. Some of you are like, what? Exactly. Leviticus 18. Everybody look at verse 24. If you remember a while back when we first started this up, why did God command an utter destruction of the people of the land? Well, it's because everything in chapter 18 from verses 1 to 23, and we went over that verse by verse and looked at it. But I want to pick up with this because this is, this is uh, Moses' exhortation to them. Look what it says. Do not defile yourselves by any of these things, for by all these, now watch this, the nations, the pagans, which I am casting out before you, have become defiled. Now we're talking about all kinds of crazy stuff, intermarriage, Uh, intersexual relationships, sex with with, uh, same-sex marriage, uh, or same-sex marriage, same-sex relationships. uh, We're talking about uh, intercourse with animals, We're talking about all kinds of crazy stuff that was already going on as a pagan reality in their lifestyle. It was accepted in their culture. And because they had participated in these things, shows two things. Number one, they know they were held accountable. God is not in the business of judging people who do not have a knowledge of the fact that they are accountable in some way. He did not judge Israel when they did not yet have the law before them. So he is not going to be spanking a people that don't have some kind of understanding of what is right and wrong. However, since they are going to be judged in that way, they obviously did have this knowledge and had refused to heed it and instead go their own direction look what it says verse 25 for the land has become defiled do you realize that the land can become defiled by the sin of which its people participate we think america's land looks like in god's eyes think about that for a second Says here, it's a target. For the land has, probably true, has become defiled. Therefore, I have brought its punishment upon it, so that the land has spewed out its inhabitants. But as for you, you are to keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not do any of these abominations, neither the native nor the alien who, is, who sojourns among you. For the men of the land who have been before you have done all these abominations and the land has become defiled. Here's the reason. So that the land will not spew you out. Notice the contingency in staying in the land is to operate in righteousness in the land so that the land is clean before God's eyes. Otherwise, the land will vomit them out. That's the idea here. Uh, Sorry, notice, move on here. Uh, verse 29 for whoever does any of these abominations those persons who do so shall be cut off from among their people thus you are to keep my charge that you do not practice any of the abominable customs which have been practiced before you so as not to defile yourselves with them i am yahweh your elohim now let's turn back to chapter 7 uh 1 and 2 that's pretty plain the reason for why uh, they are not to make a covenant with those people, not to show favor to them. No mercy for those people. Why is that? Because by showing them mercy, they are going to come in and corrupt them and lead them astray. Now look at chapter 7 of Deuteronomy, verses 3 and 4. Sorry, I'm trying to hurry quickly because we got a minute left. So here we go. Verse 3, Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods then the anger of Yahweh will be kindled against you and He will quickly destroy you. Now turn over to the Ezra passage. Look at verse 2. Ezra 9, verse 2. For they have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and for their sons so that the holy race, the set-apart race, has intermingled with the peoples of the lands. Indeed, now watch this, the hands of the princes and the rulers have been foremost in this unfaithfulness in other words the one who led the charge for israel a nation called and set apart by god for a holy purpose to be practicing righteousness which would preach to the pagan nations those princes and kings and leaders that they set up for themselves are the ones who led them headlong into pagan intermarriage and diluted the truth that was to be proclaimed so that no one could respond to Yahweh does that make sense now how does that matter in our day god's people are called to holiness you and I are called to holiness and guess what we've been get everything we need for holiness We not only have His Spirit indwelling us, we have what the Spirit wrote before us. That sounds like a good mixture for holy and good things. However, if our holiness, if the practice of righteousness in our lives, our sanctification, is diluted because we've entertained the things of this world, or we've allowed silly things to creep in and to go largely unnoticed, you think the glory of the Lord is covered up before the eyes of people that need to see it? Probably is. You know what that means? It means with the great salvation that we've been freely given is also on the other side of it a great responsibility that God has placed in our hands which He wants us to uphold. He actually trusts us with His Gospel. That's weird. I wouldn't trust me with nothing. And yet He trusts me. Some of you are like, amen. And yet he trusts me with this gospel. And he gives me everything that I need in order to be successful with it. And he gives me all the instruction I need to see how it's properly dispensed. And he's given me all the guidance that I need with the indwelling Holy Spirit to see it happen. Guys, we have privileges falling out of our ears. And sometimes we wonder why we're not very effective in our spiritual lives. I encourage you utilize what you've already been given. You don't need a second blessing from the Spirit. And there's no way that we're ever going to be able to attain sinless perfection in this life. It doesn't happen. But what do we find? We find that we have an audience with the King. And we find that we can come to His throne of grace boldly and we can find mercy. Notice it's not about being some kind of spiritual superior amazing bible study leader that's not what it is it's just being a humble servant that is willing to be used by god that's all it is humility goes a long way sound good let's pray father thank you for lessons lord that we could learn seeing the past failure of israel and how they squandered and forfeited so much blessing that was given father help us lord to heed that warning to gain encouragement from Him, knowing that You've provided for better things, better things than we often settle for. Please lead us, hold our hands, guide us. Let us submit ourselves to You. Let us come under the Lordship of Christ in how we live our lives and recognize that His Word has final say in all things. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I think that's it. The joke is made that they only possess a bacon strip of what they should have. So, but if you seriously, if you pull up a map, if you pull up a map of what they're supposed to have and you look from the Nile River all the way over to the Euphrates, it's huge. I mean, it's massive. And here's something else that I think is interesting is that a city that is 144 cubits on each side fits real nicely over the top of it. I think that's neat, the new heavens and new earth. Yeah, I mean, think about this, man. This is what's crazy. Where is the Nile? The Nile's right here. Okay, so notice this, which is the idea of the Sinai Peninsula here. Then it covers all of this expanse here all the way to the Euphrates. It is running down into this idea here. I mean, it is. Anybody ever heard of Epicenter by Joel Rosenberg? It's a little dated now. The book's a little dated now. He has a really interesting chapter in there that talks about that there were some guys... We read through the Old Testament and they were curious about this uh, uh, phrase that kept coming up, the dark under the deep or the black under the surface, that kind of thing. They were very curious about that. But what they did was they got out their maps and they started trying to plot where the Israelites were when they came across these things. And then they got some funding and went over there and got permission to drill on the land and they found oil every time the Bible mentioned it. So God is good. interesting stuff but yeah they're supposed to and this is why us understanding this old testament geography is so important for the book of revelation when the kingdom comes what are we talking about we're talking about real estate that's what we're talking about we're talking about those land promises being fulfilled so yeah absolutely yeah good one laverne thank you